Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, August 22nd. I've been saying it all week, but you know what time of the year it is, listeners. U.S. Open time, the final Grand Slam of the 2019 season, is upon us, qualifying going all week long in New York for our listeners in that area who are interested in that, the qualifying level of tennis being so high. That's free for you listeners, so go check out that tennis. It's a lot of fun, a lot of young Americans and play young players in general players with college ties so I promise it will be a worthwhile experience but joining me today to break down all of that action to talk about the ATP tournament going on in Winston-Salem because there's actually been a ton of fun results going on there and of course given that it's him we're going to have a fun segment at the end giving our bets for the U.S. Open a product of the Duke University men's tennis team our insider at tennis channel for tennis.com Kale Hammond welcome back to the mini break podcast you're getting you're getting pretty good at that, man. That was that was a really good introduction. Wow. When you do, when you do like you know thirty of them in a thirty five day span, you better get good, right? That's impressive. That's inspirational. Good job. Good job, dude. That was that was it's, nice. It's the Gladwell theory. Even an idiot can do something ten thousand times and become good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. You, you, in the intro, I can't remember. You talking about the? Were you talking about like the Arthur Ashe Kids Day stuff? <laughs> no, Kids Day, the qualifying rounds itself. Everything is free right now. No, it's at insane. the U.S. Open grounds. It's insane. It's I mean, the amount of stuff they have going on there is, is has to be unprecedented. I mean, you can go to you can go to Flushing Meadows during during the day, and you can. I mean, it's a tennis fan's paradise. It's nuts. Have you right been? Now. No, I mean, I haven't been, but I had to write an article about it about what they're doing right now let me let me pull it up right now i mean they're doing they're doing everything if you like there's a lavaza place where if you go there you get a a, a, you know you buy a cappuccino you get a free coffee so it's like (laughs) they're just like pulling out all the stops and then the concerts dude the concert they've got um what's his name he's leon bridges performing um i think on friday it's a free leon bridges concert how are you not going to go to that (laughs) I wonder I how many agree. people in New York saw that and like how many people who have no idea what tennis even is are going to show <laughs> up to that just for a free Leon Bridges concert. No, it's worthwhile. You get your free coffee, you get a little music, you get to watch a little sport. It's literally, you know, it's a win all fair. I know it's hot and humid, but if you're looking for something to do outside, the U.S. Open is the place to go. And that's obviously where I want to start today's conversation um, as we mentioned, U.S. Open qualies underway, men's and the women's side, uh, half of the second round going today, the second half going tomorrow. Uh, let's start on the women's side, Kale. Were there any results? Because overall, it was it was really a funky day, but any results scream out to you from the get-go? You know, I was I, – I, the only match I really watched today was that Tommy Paul match. I got to be honest with you. The qualies weren't really doing it for me today. I had a, I had a lot of articles to crank out, and I I mean I'm looking at you know I'm looking at the order of play right now, and no I got to be honest with you nothing really screams out at me. Well, the crazy thing is well, I want to say nice shout comeback out to win for Priscilla Hahn. She's she's a nice girl. I like I like her. Um, she's she's a good talented player. She had a nice Fed Cup where she played the USA and she played doubles with Ash Barty, which is an easy thing to do. But she played fantastic. So that was <laughs> that was I got to talk to her at Indian Wells. She was she was really nice. So yeah, and no, then Taylor I, Townsend, you know, qualifying. No, or not qualifying, agree. advancing to the final round. 
I, I completely agree with you. I want to give a huge shout-out to ESPN News, you know, the ESPN Network, having this, carrying the qualifying, a huge opportunity for a lot of these players to get that sort of exposure that they're not used to. And, yeah, you know, the, the thing about qualifying, it really is a shit show, right? There's so many matches going on over these next couple of days. Hey, tennis uh, Channel airs qualifying. What are you- yeah, it, it's across <laughs> multiple channels. No, I know they they are, they they no they don't have qualifying this, but they have French Open qualifying. So where's our shout out? No shout out that yeah. I uh, look in don't the coming weeks. ESPN I promise in front of me. <laughs> no, in, yeah, in the coming weeks, I promise I'll get better about my tennis channel shout outs. Um, but yeah, I I just it it was uh, an overwhelming amount of tennis on the women's side. A lot of three set winners speaks to the competitive nature of this. You mentioned Taylor Townsend. You know, she continues to fascinate me as a player. The number 13 seed in qualifying, she wins today, 3-6-6-3-6-3. She was also a player who played a ton of world team tennis this year. And seeing her in that format, in the singles, in the doubles, you just forget. You know, I think she's like 23 years old. She's my age, a 95-er. And like she's just she is so skilled. Like and you can tell physically she continues to develop. I think her upside, you know, there's a lot of untapped upside remaining. Yeah, she's she's extraordinarily talented. If you ever have a chance to watch her, you know the way she moves is able to move forward and her hands around the net. Not many players really have that. Um, and you know her lefty serve is great, and you know her movement honestly is is pretty is, it's it's decent. And her forehand's huge, and she's she's just really good. She has a lot of similarities. I mean, their co- she, her coach is Donald Young's dad, and she really does have a lot of similarities um, to Donald Young. You know their game. It's it's pretty funny to watch them play. She's sort of like a female version of him with the lefty loopy, the angles off the court, the sick hands, you know, the, the, the nasty lefty serve. And, I agree. Uh, we I got to talk about Donald just... Young, uh, you know, at some point during this seg- segment because... No, for sure. But I would say for Townsend, she probably does a better job of penetrating the court than Young does. She gets a little more pop relative to the game, you know, her in the women's game versus Donald Young on the men's game, just physically Donald Young a little bit smaller. But I agree. Yeah, you're the, absolutely The little right. quirky angles... You're right. And the way they move forward with their hands and touch um, and feel, you can't really teach that. No, for sure. It's really impressive. Well, then just looking at the seeds real quick, who advanced? Uh, we had the number 25 seed, as you mentioned, Han in three sets. The number 27 seed, Martin Kova, uh, she advances in straight sets. But uh, Rybakina, the one seed, two and one. She looked great. The two seed, Pedoza, three set winner. Uh, Taylor Townsend, as we mentioned, the 13 seed, a winner. But other than that, a ton of upsets today. Number 12 seed, Kavinich goes down. Number 14 seed, Paulini goes down. Number 3 seed, Begu goes down. I mean, as you as we mentioned uh, earlier in the week, these qualifying matches, so many players in that 100 to 250 range scrapping for that opportunity to get into a Grand Slam main draw. That That's why it is you know su- such good tennis. That's why we continue to promote it and say, if you're in the area, definitely go check that out. But let's transition to the men's side. And as you mentioned, the match we have to start with. Tommy Paul today, there's a lot of talk going into the tournament. I believe we talked about it last week. Should he have gotten a main draw wild card directly into the U.S. Open, given what we've seen from him this summer? And then today, you know, he goes out. A vi- you know, he, he had a really tough three-set match in his first round, but today against Martinez to lose 6-4, 6-4, not the result a lot of us were expecting. No, no, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, such a nice guy, such a good kid. You want to see him do well. And I can't, you know, I, it's tough. I'm sure that that, you know, I'm sure that he was thinking a little bit about 
you know, their decision not to give him the wild card, that's got to be weighing on him a, a little bit, um, you know, for, for the USTA to take the highest ranked player and just, you know, not give him, you know, that's 58 grand right off the bat. It's sort, it's sort of like, you know, it feels like someone probably took some money from you, honestly. I could I can't say for sure, but I got to imagine that that's, you know, given he trains at the USTA all the time, you know, his, his old coach, Diego Moyano, was USTA coach, player development coach, great coach, great guy. And it, it, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just tough. I'm sure, that, I'm sure that he was thinking about that a little bit because he definitely didn't play his most focused or disciplined or, you know, best match. I completely agree with you. It's just it's tough to see that because especially given where his contemporaries, Francis, uh, Riley, Taylor are, they're all going to be in the main draw. You can only imagine how much Tommy wanted to be there. As fans, we obviously know what he's capable of. We all wanted him to be there. <clears throat> but yeah, a tough result for him. Uh, you look throughout the rest of the draw. Again, a lot of good tennis, a lot of good names in this draw. You look at the young guys, Kimmer Kopenhans, former junior French Open champion. He was a straight set winner. Mikhail Yimmer, a straight set winner over Bagness. Hyun Chung making his comeback from injury. A 6-2, 6-3 winner over Napolitano. Hyun Chung, uh, you know, he wins a challenger in his comeback. He retires the next week, loses in Vancouver. Uh, but, you know, through two matches in qualifying, this is a guy who, regardless if he can stay healthy, he will be back in the top 100 soon. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Australian Open semifinalist, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Him, Edmund, Tsitsipas, those are the young guys to have done it. And team, I guess. Yep. Yeah, no, he he's amazing with his movement around the court. His backhand is so sick, too. His backhand is really, really special. It, I'm a backhand snob. His backhand down the line is gorgeous. The the when you know when he goes open stance and he can go into yeah. the splits and crank that backhand down the line. Yeah, it's impressive. The other thing though is with all the sliding he does and just how physical, I can understand why his feet get torn up with blisters. Like I could see it happening. Yeah, and especially you know those courts get really hot. You know, and mm-hmm. your feet aren't aren't feeling too too good in there. Sort of the opposite of Antonio Brown. Yeah, exactly. That's some astute analysis. Instead of frozen. (laughs) Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, uh, No, but I expect Hyun Chung uh, would not shock me to see him qualify. Beat Yimmer, I believe, on Thursday or Friday, whenever that will be. Uh, Moving on through the rest of the results, Jensen Brooksby, who clickety-clack we had yesterday on the Cracked Interviews podcast. You listeners can go check that out now. He advances to the final round of qualifying with a 7-6, 7-6 win over number 27 seed, Sagita. I mean, if you're Brooksby and you qualify for this main draw, I love you, Coach Boland, but it's going to be tough to turn down that money. Well, yeah, it is going to be tough to turn down that money, but um, you know, you've seen people do it before, so yeah, yeah, that's true. it wouldn't, be, wouldn't another- be the first time. Yeah, I, I agree. You look at it again, another young guy, Quan, the three seed, two and four over Ota. To look through the rest of her, the results, Comco winner, Lacko a winner, Geraldo a winner over Misha Zverev. <laughs> to go back to that, that 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 money, you know, the first round prize money would go away pretty quick. But you know how um, this, the you know the CEO of Oracle, play, I believe, played tennis at Baylor, and is is a big fan of the sport. So I mean, look, you're going there. That's a, it's a good, it's a good guy to know. So that that, See, you know, that connection alone is probably worth more than fifty eight grand, honestly. That's why you're a tennis insider. That's the sort of insight I'm looking for. You're absolutely right. That it's hard to turn down Baylor. Plus, Coach Boland, you know, he cranks out pros. That's what he does. So you don't want to turn that chance down. 
Um, but yeah, moving through the rest, again, Bastic over Gomez, uh, Uchiyama over Kovic, Galan over Mika- uh, Mikhail Torpregard, who wins the first set 7-6 before losing 3-1, Barrera over Miljovic, uh, I mentioned Kopenhans earlier, Bentrit over Zhang, Diaz over Watanaki. Uh, again, just looking through all of these results, uh, looking, I, I suppose, ahead, I, I feel like given how open, you know, players 75 to 150 is on the tour, all of these guys are capable of making, you know, second, third rounds at this event. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking sort of if you see a qualifier next to your name in the, in the you know, in the, in the main draw, you got to be feeling pretty confident. <laughs> I mean, it depends. Like, if I, mean, I draw yeah, you don't want to draw Chung first round. But, yeah, I'm, like, devastated. And I guess but, now I mean, the all these other guys, they're, the they're good, but, you know. You see Jensen Brooksby first round. That's that's. You'd have to watch some tape, probably. <laughs> yeah, you're calling that Oracle CEO. You're like, hey, I, I was listening to was, yeah some of the commentary, and they were saying. Oh, I think Davenport at some point was saying, you know, it's tough. She said this before that it's tough playing a qualifier first round because they've got so many matches under their belt. They come out hot. You know, they're ready to go. You're still you're still in the you got the first match jitters a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Again, that's why it's so fun to watch. And, you know, again, looking to tomorrow, we've got a lot of fun guys on the schedule. American-wise, Mitchell Kruger plays the number 22 seed, a guy he's beaten in 2017 when qualifying for this event. Noel Rubin in action against Garcia Lopez. Young guys like Akira Santilli and Yannick Sinner in action. Um, again, Yuri Vesely. So a ton of good tennis th- sprinkled throughout that the That guy, you, you don't want to see that guy first round. Yuri Vesely. No, you don't want to see Yannick Sinner first round. That's oh, for yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, no no way. No, that that would be a tough one. That the guy's red hot right now. He's white hot. I mean, he's, you know, just his kiss and consistency. I've watched some of his matches in the challenge. I mean, this guy doesn't miss, dude, and he rips it. <laughs> he doesn't miss. It's like, oh, my God, his consistency level's off the charts already. No, he's a ball factory. It's unbelievable. Just a machine. Just everything's coming back at you. I completely agree. And then, you know, on the women's side, a ton of Americans in action. Sasha Vickery, Vera Lepchenko, Caroline Dalhide, Haley Baptiste, uh, Catherine McHale, Asia Muhammad, Karina Scott. And then, of course, the all-college matchup, Robin Anderson versus Nicole Gibbs. Uh, a lot to look forward to on tomorrow's schedule. Yeah, that's actually not bad at all. Haley Baptiste, she can hit the ball really, really hard. And Francis TFO tweeted that she's going to be a problem. And I think I think he's on to something because, my goodness, just the power that she can generate, if she can stay healthy and get hot, she could, you know, she could make a big gash in the rankings at any point in time. I completely agree with you. Again, if you are in New York, do not pass up on the chance to go check out the U.S. Open because it is free and it is high-quality tennis. But with that being said, as I mentioned, one other tournament we want to talk about going on this week in Winston-Salem – Earlier in the week, Andy Murray goes down to Tennis Sandgren. Obviously, that hurts me personally. Uh, Stokowiak and Jamie talked about that on yesterday's Mini Break podcast. But still, today, the round of 16 in action. A ton of fun results there. We'll start on the top. Your guy, Kale Benoit Pair, a 3-6-7-6-6-3 winner over Uko Umbert. Uh, Benoit Pair looked down and out in this match. Uh, I believe Umbert served for it at 5-4 in the second set. Comes back and gets the win. Looking, you know, always a wild card entering slam time. You're the second guy to say that Benoit Pair is my guy today. So I got to know, what, 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 what is it about me that makes Benoit Pair my guy? 
Well, if you're feeling insecure as the well, one, you're very handsome, as is he. Um, yeah. Two, you could be perceived as French by some people, just given what I imagine are some of your shticks. Um, no, but it's obviously because you tweet out this series of Benoit Pair subtle tanking, and just your appreciation for that, I think he becomes your guy. How good was that? How, how that was hilarious. Was That's game? what I'm saying. You I should mean, own, like it's good to have that corner. His his ability to tank that match. In a fun and entertaining way was, I mean, he missed the last ball on purpose, but he missed it by like two feet on purpose. I've never seen that where a guy is like, I mean, he had the whole court and he missed it by two feet and he hit it clean. And that's the thing, just like he had and he the points before that, he had no intention of winning that game. None whatsoever. He totally missed that ball on purpose. It was, it was pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, I know. I agree. And today it was the reverse effect, right? He's getting, uh, he's returning to lose the match and he ends up getting the break over a fellow young a fellow frenchman but obviously a much younger one uh yeah good win for him again you want to rack yeah. up those wins i, th- I, I think in. if that if, if umber wasn't french i think pair would have would have let that one go yeah exactly <laughs> i agree no it's the little things yeah i i really do think he would have let that one go because he was he was down and out and uh, then he, no, I, and he, he you know he came back he fought back had it played a good tie dis- break and then and then he won, but yeah, that's a little too much time on that match. So let's let's move no, on. What yeah, else? no, not. I'm we sorry, gotta dude. also gotta go back and talk about Donald Young. So we, we can do that. We can do that at the end, maybe. Oh, Dy Jason Young. You're right. Uh, Westoff, give me a rewind sound effect, please. All right, you're right. Give me two seconds on the Dy Jason Young qualifying match, please. Oh, first of all, Jason Young's a nice guy. I know his coaches. Um, they're, Fellow they're, Michigan Wolverine, yeah, go blue. No, I mean, exactly. And he, and he and he played a great match, but. Dude, what, this is the end of an era. Yeah. Oh, what is it? Eight straight? Nine straight? For Donald Young, this is this is he played in the U.S. Open main draw fourteen consecutive years, starting That's in two thousand and five when he won the Kalamazoo as a, like I believe he was a sixteen year old. I was gonna say fifteen. I think. I think his birthday is in July, so I think it's my. Uh, it's not, it's not. I think he was. I think he won sixteen, seventeen, but he was fifteen yeah. heading you know into the tournament. Um. Yeah, and then he got that in 2005, 2006, and then for one reason or another, you know, whether what it was What was wild... the James Blake year? The year where they played that epic five-set match? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh like eight. But he got in on, you know, on direct entry so many times, and then he there was a couple times, a couple years, he won epic qualifying matches to advance. I mean, it was just a crazy streak. You know, every year for 14 years, this guy's in it. I remember watching him at Kalamazoo in 2006, and this guy was just unbelievable. You, you Like, the hype that he had back then, I mean, it's comparable. I mean, he didn't do it at a big stage, but it's comparable to the Corey Goff hype. And this guy's 15-year-old, number one in the world, by a mile, the best player in the world, comes to Kalamazoo, just isn't even trying. He beats everyone in straight sets. He played Michael McClune in the round of 16 or quarters and got to 7-6 one set and then won the next 6-3. Other than that, no one even got more than three games in a set off of him. I mean, this guy was that good. It was a different level of tennis. The guy, he, what he was able, the shock production that he was able to create was amazing. I think people forget about that. I mean, this guy had all the hype in the world. He was sort of like the Freddie Adu of tennis. You know, it was, it was insane hype around this guy. It's the yeah, end of an era. I completely agree with you. And look, 
when I'm able to do this tennis job full-time, you, me, tennis channel, here's my gift back to them for the ESPN plug earlier, uh, we will do the lost American generation because there's a group of players born that range, you know, the Ryan Sweetings of the world, right, who just, they didn't pan out, the Scoville Jenkins of the world, that's a throwback yep, for Philip Simmons. Real, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or the Alex Kims, like just things happen to this generation of players. And yeah, Donald Young, 14 straight years is remarkable. It was 2008. He lost that match 6-1-3-6-6-1-4-6-6-4. And that's 11 years ago. And yeah, this will be the first year we have without him in the US Open. And it is crazy. It's nuts, and you know, shout out, shout out. What, what, that's a, that's a, that's pretty impressive stuff. And you know, I've, people sort of hate on him now, but I, I, it makes that makes me sad. I don't think people should hate on him. I think they should appreciate for what, for you know, for what he is. He's a great player. Huh, I agree with you. Well, someone else we should appreciate getting back to Winston Salem, a guy who's been hot uh, as of late. Pablo Carreno Busta riding that Cincinnati momentum into the quarterfinal here with a seven six six zero win over Lorenzo Sinego. I feel like him, uh, our next semi uh, quarterfinalist, Steve Johnson, who has a six two seven six winner over Casper Ruud. Those guys, given the seasons they've had, regardless of how they do at the U.S. Open, they just need wins under their belt. So playing this event, much like Denis Shapovalov, makes sense for them. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I think it's a brilliant idea for Shapovalov to play this tournament. I think that was you saying that. But you're right. I mean, he needs just he needs to just get get if he can find the range on the forehand, he, and he gets that confidence level up. I mean, his shot making ability is is up there with anyone. So you know, he's a guy that is would be tough to play first round, cause, you know, because he can just like you said, he can just get hot. And I mean, he beat the crap out of Kekmanovic today, and that's not an easy yeah. match. Completely 50. agree with you. A, I'm flattered. B, yeah, looking at that match today, he's a 6-2-6-3 winner over a guy in Miramir Kasmanovic who now has made two quarterfinals with his Masters quarterfinal in Cincy, and he hit him off the court. Kegmar, he didn't belong on the court today. He yeah. did not belong on the same court as in the Shapovalov today. And so that's just to see Shapovalov, you know, play a consistent match, not get up a break and then, you know, double fault his way out of this, the game. And just from start to finish, just stomp out somebody. That's exactly what you're looking for heading into the U.S. Open. So, I mean, I'm still going to sleep on him in the U.S. Open, but maybe maybe he's on to something. Well, what I like is he gets two grinders in his first two matches in Sandgren, and now, uh, obviously, with this one here over Kasmenovic, and now he'll play the winner of Rublev Query, who at the moment it's 7-6, uh, 3-4. Rublev is up, and those are big hitters. So now you get that dose as well. Get a little taste of each type of game heading into the U.S. Open, and you're right. He's a single-match threat. If he's unseeded and you're the 22 seed, you're the, I don't know who's the 22 player in the world right now. Uh, let's say, not a Feliciano Lopez equivalent maybe someone a little bit better you're or jill simone Basilashvili. Like, yeah exactly you're like oh i well that's an interesting matchup i feel like he likes that idea he's like oh we're just gonna be playing big that's my game but that's just a, i guess a, but yeah like that sort of seed you're like oh not the matchup no i i com- i completely completely agree with you yeah, and then again, we mentioned that that query Rublev match unfinished. My boy, Hubie Hercatch, 6-3-3-1 retirement over Feliciano Lopez. Francis Tiafo 6-2 retirement over Krajinovic. Tiafo Hercatch tomorrow is fascinating. I wouldn't say that's fascinating, but I mean, yeah, it's oh, going to be... I love me some next-gen tennis. Yeah, it, it's it's fun. It should be fun. Uh, you know, But but the problem with these tournaments, they're so close to the U.S. Open. It's just like... 
you know, the amount of how many, you know, amaz- how many like unforgettable Winston Salem matches can you give me off the top of your head? So I'm glad you asked. Daniil Medvedev, a winner at Winston Salem last year, one could argue. I think Matt Stachowiak did that. It propelled him to this season. Okay, I asked <laughs> yeah, for, no, I asked for like a, a Winston Salem match that you simply <laughs> can't forget, <laughs> and you didn't answer it. So I'm going to try that again. What Winston Salem match was like unforgettable and amazing? I, I think it's so close to the U.S. Open that these guys are. You know, everyone playing in this tournament is going to play in the U.S. Open, so they're they're more focused on that. I mean, that's you know, it's it's just a different stratosphere. So that's true, but again, I think Tiafo qualifies for that category of Stevie Johnson, Pablo Carreno, Busta, Shapovalov, where given the year he's had, just get wins under your belt. Yeah, get wins, but also don't kill yourself. You know, physically, you still want to win the point. That's bad advice to be giving, but that's gotta be what's going through these guys head get you know make get through this healthy and then and make and guarantee and win one match of the u.s open and then you're a hundred thousand dollars richer yeah fine you know what you're right make or break time bro this is winston salem is great but u.s opens make or break time dude yeah you're not the quality of your life for for a year has has or maybe even longer than that has a lot riding on the u.s open the prize money is so jacked up yeah, that's completely true. And look, our last quarter finalist, John Millman, a 3-4 and four winner over Robin Haas, uh, I'm sure would agree with you. And speaking of which, that gets us to our final thing I want to do. I asked you before this podcast started with the U.S. Open on the horizon. I wanted to do a little bit of projecting, which is hard to do before the draws come out. Um, but being a, the gambling man that I am, I know you have an interest as well. I asked you to come up with three interesting bets to come uh for this for us to discuss i also have a few bets i'd like to discuss as well with that being said west off give me some sort of betting sound effect please all right kale give me your first bet i i would like i would plead the fifth i would like you to go first to you know to get the juices flowing because i'm looking at this right now and on the men's side what are you what are you who's gonna break through dude like come on like what are you how are you even supposed to to say that? Medvedev well, maybe, but, but dude, Medvedev ha, has to be he has to be tired. There's no way. There's no way he's not tired. So I want to say Daniel Medvedev has does everybody else, but I mean this guy's played just in uh, unforgettable, un, insane amount of tennis. It's too. It's and now he's playing three out of five. I mean, if this guy's this guy's can go, you know, play three five setters and make it to the quarters. I mean, my God, but. I don't know. That's that's probably the guy who's who you don't want to see in the draw right now if you're Daniel Medvedev. And he is plus 3,300. He's 1, 2, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. I think he's the 10th or 11th favorite. So that's your bet right there. I mean, the guy's playing top 5 tennis, and he's you know your 11th favorite, and plus 3,300. But still, you're lighting your money on fire because one of the big three is going to win. <laughs> well, look, I always think it's fun to start betting against the big three, like, right? It's any player but them. That's really on the men's side where I like to uh, to start uh, playing around with. And, you, you know, you hedge against those guys. You pick what rounds they start to lose with. I guess if you're looking for long shots, straight up, winner-losers men edition, I mean, just play it simple, right? Novak Djokovic plus 110, that's easy money. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, it's, yeah, he looks. He he's been he's been tough at the U.S. Open recently, but like you said, when you said you bet on these guys to lose, who do you, who do you who's your guy then? Who's gonna who's gonna beat him? 
Well, what if I say instead of someone beating them, I just I, I if they, I don't pick my three, I just you play the percentages. It's hard for all of them to continue to win these slams. So, but they're I'm all in. Right they're now. all in like unbelievable. And it all just won Montreal. Federer oh, just true. finaled Wimbledon. I don't care that he lost, lost to Rublev. He finaled Wimbledon, had two match points on Joker, and Joker just won Wimbledon and lost to Medvedev, who's the, the hottest guy of the summer. So they're both in phenomenal form. No, I, look, all of this makes sense. Again, Djokovic plus 110, easy money. I think easy if you're looking money. for a sleeper, it's easy money. <laughs> Lock that shit in. Those odds, if you're betting on someone to win seven matches, you only, you only get even money out of it. That's not easy money. <laughs> so that's that's where the fun starts is now you got to start looking at the women's side. That's where things get wide open. That's where we start talking parlays, right? It's Djokovic plus someone. And that's when you look at all of these odds. I just think Ashley Barty right now being plus 1,000, you parlay her and Djokovic together, you bet $100, you're winning You know, 2,200. You're getting ridiculous odds there. And you're telling me given the form of everyone, Ashley Barty's not one of the favorites entering? I can get behind a Djokovic plus one of these um, women parlay. I like I like where your head's at. <laughs> I think Barty at plus one thousand, obviously good. She's you know her game is 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 she's probably my favorite, second favorite player to watch on the women's tour behind the showman Bianca Andreescu, the showwoman. She is every you know every match of hers that you watch, you know you get something out of it. She just wants it more than everyone else. Her, her her desire and her hunger, her toughness and her game. I mean, she's 34 and 4 on the season. She hasn't really lost a match since Indian Wells. She won Indian Wells. She played Miami, beat Kerber again, had a default in her match, comes back French Open, wins her first round, pulls out because she's hurt, doesn't play again till Toronto, and wins the freaking tournament. So she hasn't been beaten since March. So, yeah, give me give me all of uh, Bianca Andreescu. So if that's I'm, your I'm the flavor. biggest Bianca Andreescu fan in the world. There's no way anyone is higher on Bianca Andreescu than me. I think she's going to be number one in the world um, pretty soon. So if that's your flavor, she's plus 1,200 on Bavada on her own. Again, a lot of new things will change once the draws come out. Uh, there will be adjustments, but she's plus 1,200 on her own. You want to throw her with Djokovic, 26 to 1 odds. Like, come on. Oh, that's that's what I'm talking about. Okay, that's so I could, I could totally get behind. You know, what if you do like three or four uh, parlays with, with Djokovic and the women? I mean, that's 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 fantastic. Then, you're, then you can almost guarantee your money back if you can think you can pick one of the four. So that's where the fun starts. Let's flip this to the women's. You look at the favorites. Serena entering as the favorite. It feels just like a given till she retires. She's plus that's, 350. That's, that's Vegas taking the common people's money. Yeah. That, it's <laughs> like t- the Tiger Woods odds. Serena and Tiger Woods, the same thing. They jack up the odds. You're never going to get can great I give odds a, on Serena. The counter Tiger is, I thought that at Wimbledon, and then she made the final, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah, I mean, she made the final, played a bad match. Yeah, that's she, what I'm saying. She, so plus three in, in an alternate universe, she could she could have beaten Halep. You know, Halep played the best match of her life. Serena played one of the worst. So like it was just that's a, what I'm saying. So Serena being plus three fifty isn't as crazy as you think. Like I agree with you. That's how Vegas wins money. But at the same time, plus three fifty feels about right. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's not. No, they're not like they're not killing you. But yeah, but also here's three three fifty. But you saw what happened. She was crying. 
on the court against Andreescu. I mean, she was upset about that. She she did not feel good physically. She was in tears. Yeah. Uh, no, it was... I agree. You, it's, the question is, what is she going to look like going in? We really don't know because the last time we saw her, as you mentioned, she did retire. Two long shots. Are like Coco Goff being ahead of Belinda Benchich on Bavada Goff. <laughs> that's plus Vegas 2, taking money from you. There, there yeah. you go. <laughs> that's, ridiculous. that's ridiculous. But Benchich plus 2,500, I love. I made the case in a GSP coming out, I believe, today with Matt Zemek, five women to watch heading into the U.S. Open. Benchich was one I circled. She's put together a two-week run on hard courts in Dubai and Indian Wells where she beat a ton of top 10 players. She's made one quarterfinal in her career at a slam. It was at the U.S. Open in 2014, three third rounds this year. But given that 12 different players have made the 12 semifinal spots at majors on the women's side, if some, you know, someone new is going to do it at the U.S. Open, she's someone I circle at plus 2,500. Someone else I also love, this is my longest shot. I watched her play in Cincy and just her firepower, it's electric. Diana Yastremska, who at plus 10,000, I know it's crazy. Wow, you're, you're, you're digging deep. No, it's not impossible. Like, I want to see her odds to make the fourth round. If they're juicy, I will take them. If Daniel Collins makes semis of Australian Open, there's no reason Diana Yastrzemska can't make semis of U.S. Open. That's exactly what I'm saying. What do you think about Benchich, though, plus 25? I love watching Belinda Benchich play. She's one of the best, most talented players on tour. I just, uh, you know, she hasn't done anything at the slams, really, has she? Like, at all? Let me look. Let me... Let me look no, this again, up. You can the talk one about, quarter Let's final, talk about Corey Goff being the 11th favorite while I look up. Um, Corey Goff being the 11th Benchich's favorite. Benchich's career statistics and see what her joke? best slams are. No, so quarterfinals, U.S. Open 2014, and you know three third rounds this year, but that's it. And she's had a lot of injuries splicing you know across years, and so it's been hard for her to get into a rhythm. This has really been her first full season of rhythm in a while. But... Again, that's the theme coming into this. She has singles. one quarterfinal in her entire career dating back yeah, to Yeah, but why not? Why not now? I, you know who that, didn't that, have any quarterfinals? Exactly why not? Well, Ashley Barty didn't have any quarterfinals, and then she went quarterfinals Australian Open. I guess she did in doubles, but she went quarterfinals Australian Open champion at the French. Don't, 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 don't come in my face and compare Belinda Benchich and Ash Barty. Von Drusova made the French Barty Open final. Barty can do things on the court that but Benchich can't. I mean, her her Barty is so nasty. Benchich is fantastic, but she's dude, bro. Throw some respect on Ash Barty's. How many slams <laughs> do you think Ash Barty is going to win in her career? Here's uh, so I'm going to answer that question and then flip it on you. I would say she's 23. Hmm. Six she's 23 seven. and she quit for two years because she didn't want to play, and then she comes back and gets to number one in the world. So six or seven. Six but or can seven. I flip, can I flip it on you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who ends up with more slams 10 years from now? The threesome of Medvedev, Kachanov, and Rublev, or the threesome of Goff, Anisimova, and Kennan? A little Cold War action here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... It, what, was the, what was the time parameters? 10 years? Yeah, 10 years. Because it's interesting, right? It's like eventually the big three retire, and probably one of the Russians will be in position to win a couple. And then on the women's side, it's like, but there are so many good young players. I, I'm going to go with the women on that one. Because we don't know how much longer Djokovic is going to be around. We don't know That's how much longer point. Nadal is going to be around. 
We don't know how much longer Federer is going to be around. I mean, you would think it's less than two years, but you never know. I mean, the advances in sports science and Roger Federer injecting money into his veins keeps him going for a long time. <laughs> yeah, he is the South Park Magic Johnson. <laughs> I'm glad you got that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, all right, what happens first? One of the next-gen guys wins a slam or Roger Federer's retires? <laughs> one of the next guys, next gen guys wins a slam because if they don't, then Federer is going to keep, you know, being in the semi. Yeah. What is your incentive to, to stop playing when you semi every slam? Like, yeah. you know, as an athlete, you don't get to the semis of a slam and think you can't win it. You're in the freaking semis of a slam. I agree with you. Yeah, that's, it's probably like the one has to happen for the other to occur. Exactly. Like you said, <laughs> <laughs> Which came first, chicken and the egg? Yeah. I have a funny story, but I can't tell you on the pod. But but no, but well, there was a funny shirt about chicken. Which came first, chicken and the egg? That's hilarious. Yeah, well, Dalton's dad, Mister Thieman, has this idea of cracked rackets after dark, and we'll save it for that podcast whenever it uh, comes to fruition. That sounds like a get Kale Hammond fired podcast. <laughs> sounds like a get all of us fired podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. That's why we haven't done it. But all right, with that in mind, uh, any final thoughts as we look ahead to the weekend? Well, nope. I guess we have one more, but still. Nope, I'm I'm good. That was a good, a good way to end it with the South Park South Park reference. You want to give a quick sneak peek because tomorrow I should say for our listeners, you are hosting your very first mini break podcast solo. You want to give a little sneak peek if of who you've got lined up? If anyone is somehow still listening, yes, there is going to be on Friday. I did an interview with a Deadspin writer named Geary Nathan, and he is without a doubt the funniest tennis writer um, currently existing, and he's one of the best, and his pieces are always the easiest reads. He inserts, you know, these great GIFs and videos into them to, you know, back up his thoughts, which are on a more advanced level, but also he's able to simplify it in a way that someone not as smart as him, like me or anyone else, the Princeton grad, and I was talking. I'm friends with one of his mutual friends, and he said the guy is scary smart. So listen to his, you know, listen to his. T- he's one of the preeminent Curios authors because Curios so- does so much deadspin worthy stuff. So he's really followed Nick Curios <laughs> for a long time because he gets a lot of his content from Nick Curios, and he's not dumb. He knows that Nick Curios content spreads like wildfire, and so. He's probably getting more clicks than, than I am right now. So you should listen to <laughs> his the interview I did with him. He, he's got some really good thoughts. And we talk about the transparency in tennis or lack thereof and how these tournaments, there's so many governing bodies that can just do whatever they want, you know, with no rhyme or reason. And that's got to be tough for the players to deal with. You know, and you think about Tomic getting fined all of his first-round prize money. Tommy Paul doesn't get the USDA wild card. And there's one more I'm thinking of that I can't remember right now. But just, you know, situations like that. So it's a good listen. I feel like the the podcast episode that would be the most fascinating but would get all of us fired is I want to do one on appearance fees. Like, how does that work? Tell me the market because it exists and it's a huge thing. And I feel like if people heard about it, they may not be that happy. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly how it works. So that that is that's a good point. That that's worth delving into and seeing what you can figure out. Because yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's, I'm sure it's in some stages it can be sickening seeing how much money Federer gets to play Stuttgart every year. 
<laughs> exactly. Well, what's also sickening is the amount of work I make for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, who have a <laughs> of an editing job to do, as always. As I've mentioned, we've been busy here all week long at Cracked Rackets, keeping you ready for the U.S. Open on our website, CrackedRackets.com. On the podcast front, Cracked Interviews, we had Jensen Brooksby on yesterday. We'll have Katie Volleynets on on Friday, the USTA Girls 18 San Diego champion, so be on the lookout for that. Mini breaks all week long. GSPs diving into the, the long-form previews. Uh, Matt Zemek and I in a podcast I mentioned earlier. Five women to watch heading into this year's U.S. Open, uh, the final Grand Slam of the year. So give that a listen. Like, rate, subscribe, re- review. You know the deal by now. Kale, as always, I want to give you a chance. Plug your work. Where can our listeners find and hear more of you? Uh, Twitter underscore or Kale underscore Hammond. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. I thought I was done. <laughs> instagram's at kill hammond i've got a bunch of cool pictures on there and then basically seeing seeing which which celebrities are playing tennis is pretty fun and then and then um yeah i'm working on a piece about trainers upcoming for the u.s open it's going to be featured on tennis tennis channel tennis.com and i'm pretty excited about it interviewed some of the some of the top trainers to find out you know what some of their favorite exercises exercises are and how they keep their players fit and peaking at the U.S. Open, the most important tournament of the year, financially. Absolutely, and we look forward to watching it. But with that being said, for my wonderful co-host, our tennis insider at Tennis Channel, Tennis.com, Kale Hammond, for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, and for our entire team at Crack Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Kale, what do we tell our listeners? We tell our listeners that that is a break, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely what we do, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. We'll